Wow, here we are, episode 10. If you've learned anything about me over the past nine episodes, I hope it's that I really enjoy talking about God's love. And this is something that I've cultivated over the past several years in my spiritual life. It's made a huge difference to return to that very basic principle, Jesus loves me, this I know. Why do I know it? I know it because of everything. And so I'm a big fan of these random inspirations that God gives me. In fact, this podcast is a result of one of those random inspirations, one of those random movements of the Holy Spirit, when I just said it would be really cool to have a podcast where all we did was talk about God's love. Shortly after I started this podcast, I started paying more attention to what God was doing in my life, even more than I was before, because every single week I found myself having to come up with a love tap, something that I would feel comfortable sharing one way that I know that God has loved me this past week. Just a few weeks after I started the podcast, I drove to Tennessee to visit a friend, and on my way back, I was really, really struggling because that week I needed to teach my ninth graders about the Holy Trinity. I was not quite sure what I was going to do. I had had a lesson planned and it was super theologically accurate, but I knew that it just was not going to land. And on my way back, I was listening to music. It was about a nine hour drive and just was trying to find some, some new songs that I might enjoy. And sure enough, this one awesome song came up. It's by Andy Grammer, one of my favorites, that showed the difference between God's love for us and what we think human love, the best human love is. So that random inspiration just got me going for how to teach my ninth graders about the Holy Trinity, about this amazing mystery. This episode I've actually been wanting to do for a while. It actually comes from an inspiration that I received on the Feast of St. Cecilia, of all things. St. Cecilia and I were not that great of friends, except for the fact that it seems like every year on her feast day, God gives me some sort of grace that really strengthens me to fulfill his call. So I know that she's praying for me, even though I'm not particularly musically inclined or anything else that people relate to St. Cecilia. But on the Feast of St. Cecilia this year, I went to get cannoli. I'm Italian. When I want to celebrate, I just automatically go to cannoli. As I was getting out of the car, with these moments of grace, it's always the specific moment that it's like I remember exactly where I was when I encountered the Lord's love in this way. In fact, that's something that's in the Gospels, that in the Gospel of John, it says that they encountered Jesus and it was about four o'clock in the afternoon. Like, you remember the exact moment when you encounter the Lord. And he gave me the grace, and that grace is what this episode is based on. So I don't want to give any spoilers because I'm really excited about this one. I'm Cecilia Ciccone, and Jesus loves you, this I know, because you are his body. I've been wanting to do an episode on the church. Just a little bit of background on me. I have a degree in theology, and studying the church, not church history, but actually the church that Jesus gave us, the theology of Jesus handing and forming the church is what has really lit this fire in my soul and moved me to want to evangelize. Seeing the church as Jesus has planned for it to be, seeing the church as Jesus's body is one of the primary ways that I know that God loves me. 
essentially what I've been wanting to do, and I'm letting you in on a secret, it's kind of my hope of this podcast, is not only to make God's love known individually, but to bring people into an active participation in the unique role that only they can play in Christ's body. Because here's the fact, yes, I want you to know that Jesus loves you because he does. And because I know that you are probably hurting in specific ways, there's probably areas of your heart where you're not so sure that he loves you. But if you are really convinced of his love for you, which is true, that will have an amazing impact on the entire world. If you own the fact that you are loved by God and you really live your life as though that's true and you answer that call in every single moment, our world will really be transformed. So it's for love of you, it's for love of God, it's for love of every single person in this world that I want you to know that Jesus loves you. The church has all of these kind of, I don't know, I guess I would call it baggage. The church has this baggage that comes along with it. When I was really excited about studying the church and really just felt this fire going in me, I remember a young man who, uh, he was the friend of, of one of my roommates, and he said, as I was really excited and I was, I was sharing everything that I was learning about the church, he looked at me very skeptically and he said, do you really think that the church is perfect? And I knew that he had a complicated background, that he'd been raised Catholic, but had fallen away, that he wasn't particularly inclined to like the church. And I paused because I knew that I couldn't say yes, but I also didn't feel like no was the right answer. So we have this question of, do we really think that the church is perfect? Because you see, when people think of the church, perfect is often the last thing we think of, especially when people think of the Catholic church, really because of history. Because history shows us the reality of unjust wars, of popes who lived immoral lives, of people who have been hurt by the church. Maybe even we personally have been hurt by people who were supposed to be representing Christ or by teachings that were reflecting human thought rather than the heart of God, rather than this reality that everything that the church teaches is a result of how much God loves us. So perfect is not a word that we would usually think would apply to the church. And for me personally, it has been one thing to study what the church is supposed to be, and another to be face-to-face with the reality of what she actually is. And since that conversation when I was 18, I've had a lot of new experiences in the church. I've had experiences in ministry of walking with people who have been hurt by the church. I have experienced in my own way in working in the church, uh, some of the areas where, where sin has infiltrated, where people seem to be more in control rather than Christ as being the head of this body. And honestly, over and over again through these past several years, it's been this constant challenge to go back to seeing that beauty of the church that I first saw when I was studying it. That's what I want to do in this episode. Again, I've said over and over again that I need this podcast just as much as anyone else. I need to be reminded that I am a part of the beautiful body of Christ. And I want you to know that you are a beautiful part of this body of Christ. And so that's what we're going to do in this episode. We're going to go back to the basics, back to that very basic image of the church. We are the body of Christ. 
As I said at the beginning of the episode, the real inspiration for this came on the Feast of St. Cecilia when I was getting cannoli. At that time, I was in a really rough place with my own body. And quite frankly, because of a lot of the trauma that I've experienced, I still am. And at the time, I was trying to figure out how to do an episode on the church. Because like I said, I love the church. It's one of the primary ways that I know that God loves me. But I know that the church can be a place of real pain for a lot of people. On my mind, I was thinking about the body of Christ. I was kind of upset, kind of frustrated with my own body. And then I was like, wait a second, the body of Christ. Let's take this image, the body of Christ, which shows up again and again in scripture. Jesus says, this is my body. St. Paul says, the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. Jesus himself had a body. Let's break this down. I have a body. Jesus had a body. What does the body of Christ and being a part of this body mean? In the Catholic Church, when we receive Holy Communion, the priest or the Eucharistic minister says, body of Christ, and then the recipient replies, amen. Essentially, what we're saying is, this is the body of Christ, and yes, I believe. It's not coincidental that it's the same word. The problem is, is that our reference point is so often our own bodies. Our reference point for the body of Christ, the church, is ourselves. When we think body of Christ, we think about our own bodies. And I know for me, that means that I would think about all of the things that I would change. Maybe some of the things that I would change physically, but really a lot of the experiences that my body has gone through, I wish that they wouldn't have happened. It's easy, I think, to translate this and to wish that the body of Christ, the church, would be different. To look at the people in our lives and say, I wish that that person would get involved in church or believe more. I wish that bishop was not so outspoken. I wish that that family who always comes late would just leave five minutes earlier or that that person who's tone deaf just wouldn't sing. But when we become critical of others like this, it's also easy to become critical of ourselves and to wonder whether or not we really belong here. And that's something in ministry that I've encountered over and over again, is that people think that they have to have it all together, that they have to be perfect in order to be a part of this body of Christ. So I've had people say, I don't know if I agree with everything that the church teaches, or I don't know all of the prayers, or it's been a while since I've been to church, or I have this one sin that I just can't kick, and I don't know if I want to. So I just must not belong. That's using our own bodies as the reference point, as parts that we wish we could change, that could be removed, that could be made bigger or smaller. But friends, if you are baptized you are a member of the body of Christ. You are an indispensable, precious, holy member. So instead of taking our own bodies as the reference point for the church, let's take the actual body of Christ. The Eucharist, the body of Christ, as I said at the beginning, is precious and holy. As Catholics, we take great care around the Eucharist because every single particle is holy. Every single crumb is the body of Christ. That's why we don't distribute the precious blood in little cups, because every single drop really is the blood of Christ. It's why we educate children on what it is that when you receive the Eucharist, you're not just receiving bread, you are really receiving Jesus. And so with the actual body of Christ as our reference point, 
we can see that no part of the body is more or less important. Whether you are receiving a tiny crumb or five loaves worth of the Eucharist, you are receiving Jesus in his fullness. You are receiving the body of Christ because no part of the body is more or less Jesus. If this is true about the Eucharist, the body of Christ, then the church, the body of Christ, is the same. Whether you're a tiny crumb or the biggest part of the church, you are no more or less the body of Christ. You are no more or less Jesus. This means that your local bishop is a part of the body of Christ just as much as you are. And you are just as much a part of the body of Christ as the homeless person that you pass who was baptized in the same church as you were. Because every single person has a unique role to play in this church. Whether it's celebrating the mass as a priest, praying, sweeping the church floor, suffering and offering it up at home for the salvation of others just like Christ did, or teaching or preaching or forming others. And of course, we are all called to love others just like Christ. Each person, each member of the body of Christ is precious and holy. Now, I hope you can tell just how excited I am about this as we're moving through this episode, because think about how revolutionary this would be if we really all took this to heart. If we really believed that we were precious and holy, because you are precious and holy. Whether you feel like the tiniest part of the body of Christ or the most important, we all are his body. And so sins against you are acts of sacrilege because Christ lives in you. Now, don't let that make you too prideful because here's the reality is that the same applies to others. That when we sin against others, when we hurt them, we are hurting Christ in a very real way. I recently had a very interesting experience of this because one of the parishes that I work for is in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. And I had been reading through some of the history of the parish and discovered that St. John Neumann, who was Archbishop of Philadelphia, that he had visited this parish several times, in fact. And so what this meant is that the church where I worked, a saint had been there. When he was bishop, he had a whole lot of people who didn't like him. And I would venture to say that when he visited that church, there were probably people who were like, we don't want him here. And eventually he became a saint. He was a saint. He was a holy man when he was among us. And that really challenged me to think, okay, in this parish where I I see kind of some of the messiness of the church, every single person is a possible saint who surrounds me. That family that comes in five minutes late, that person who's tone deaf, that person who hasn't been to church in years and for some random reason decided to come today and take my family's spot. All of these things, if we start to see each other as true members of the body of Christ, as possible saints, we will love each other more. We will treat one another with reverence and respect. But remember, this starts with really believing that Jesus loves me, that I am a part of his body. And if I, in all of the messiness that I see in my heart, if I really believe that he loves me and has given me the privilege of being a part of his body, then he must have given it to you too. But why? Why would Jesus do this? Does this really mean that Jesus loves us? Or is it this burden that he's given us that he said, okay, you're my body, now you have 
this huge responsibility. We can think about what happened to the actual body of Christ when he walked the earth. He healed physically and spiritually. He revealed the Father's love. He called others to join him. He died and he rose. We are called to be parts of this body which heals, which reveals love, which calls others, and yes, to die and rise. We are parts of his body joined to him so that we will be united to him in that healing, in that death, and in that resurrection, so that we will be with him forever. We don't deserve this. It's true. The only reason that Jesus has made us parts of his body is because he loves us. You are a part of Jesus's body because he loves you and wants you to be with him forever in heaven. Jesus loves you and made you a part of his body so that he can love you forever. And unless you think this is just me making all of this up, our scripture of the week is from St. Paul from his first letter to the Corinthians chapter 12. St. Paul says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect. Whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I absolutely love that. Did you catch that? That the inferior members receive greater honor. That even if we say we aren't a part of the body of Christ, it doesn't change it at all. We are, and we each have an important role to play. And so that brings us to the saint of the week this week, which is St. Catherine of Siena. A lot of the saints that I've been talking about have been more recent saints because I think it's really important to realize that there's holiness among us, that we can be holy now, today, exactly where God has placed us. 
But St. Catherine of Siena is a historical saint. She lived in the 14th century in Siena, which is in Tuscany in Italy. And the reason why I wanted to bring her up is because she is a woman who had a great impact on the church as a whole. This is really important to me because the church can often be criticized for being a patriarchy, for being an institution that is run by men at the expense of women. And I was planning on going on a rant here about how women don't need to be priests to be important, but instead, I'm just going to say this. St. Catherine was a woman and she pretty much saved the Catholic Church. If you know history, you might have heard of the Avignon Papacy. It was a period of about 70 years when the Pope was in Avignon, France, rather than in Rome. And this happened because of secular politics, because of a king of France who didn't like the Pope. And it was a big mess. It's a perfect example of people getting in the way of revealing God's love. There is a deep and important history as to why the Pope is the Bishop of Rome. Rome is not merely incidental in the history of the church. And in and of itself, this might not seem like that big of a deal. So what? The Pope will be in France instead of in Rome. Why does that matter? But the problem is that when people start taking into their hands and wanting to change things that isn't really within their rights to change, everything is up for grabs. Avignon is not important. In the history of the church, Peter and Paul did not go to Avignon. They did not die there. Avignon is not, you know, flowing with the blood of martyrs. Rome is. And so to just randomly pick Avignon because politically it's advantageous puts a lot of other things up for grabs. Everything is a result of God's love and everything is connected. You don't have to have high degrees in theology to know exactly what God wants for us. We just need to pray and to think about it because it really does all make sense. And so when we start to move one of these pizzas, such as the papacy being in Rome, the Pope being in Rome, it can be a very slippery slope. And if this just seems hypothetical, it's not. Because in fact, we see it with some Christian denominations where when people start taking their own interpretation of scripture and church history, as opposed to inheriting what we've received, it sows division. It sows people speaking in the name of Christ and saying contradictory things. This tiny thing, it seems so insignificant. And in fact, most of the people at the time probably didn't really know that it was going on. It was the 14th century. St. Catherine of Siena knew that it was a big deal. She was very holy. She has beautiful, beautiful writings, the the dialogues of St. Catherine of Siena that reveal just how close she was to Jesus. And she saw in loving Jesus that having the papacy in Avignon, something that seems so small to us, hurt Jesus. More than that, she saw how politics infiltrating the church was preventing the church from witnessing to God's love and fidelity. Because people could no longer trust the Pope. They were like, the Pope is just doing his own thing. He doesn't represent God because he wasn't faithful in the one thing, like the Roman Catholic Church. He didn't just stay in Rome. Like that was his one job to show that he was faithful. So St. Catherine of Siena went to Avignon and literally this little woman convinced the Pope to come back to Rome. And she has this great line that I love where she just spoke with great boldness, totally inspired by the Holy Spirit. And just said, up, father, like a man, I promise you have nothing to fear. Go back to Rome like you know you should. 
we don't need to do big things to contribute to the body of Christ, like St. Catherine of Siena. We don't need to save the church in history. But we do need to be faithful where God is calling us. We need to respond to those inspirations, even when it comes at a random point when we're just getting cannoli. We need to be faithful where he has called us, in our tiny corner of the church, because this is what allows him to enter into our world today and to transform it as his body. St. Catherine of Siena, pray for us. For this week's love tap, I actually surprisingly had a really hard time coming up with just one thing, just one way that I know that God loves me. And when I sat down to record this episode, I had it all planned out, exactly what I was going to say. But as I've been doing it, I think that this episode actually is my love tap for the week. Having this time to be able to talk about just how much God loves us in the church and reigniting that fire in me. And in fact, I actually wasn't going to record this episode today. I hurt my back a few days ago and wasn't so sure that sitting down in a chair to record and to edit and everything that comes along with it, I wasn't so sure that it was a good idea. But when I woke up this morning, I made some coffee and it is really good coffee. This is a side note. I guess it's a part of my love tap. Mystic Monk coffee is absolutely amazing. And it's what I've been drinking while I've been recording this episode. This is not an advertisement. But I sat down, I took that first sip of coffee, and I was like, no, this is what we have to do today. That was God loving me because this episode, it's one that I had been wanting to record actually for a few weeks now. I was planning to record this episode, but today this feels so right to be talking about how God loves us in the church. So thanks be to God for that love tap. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Good and gracious God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of your body. Help us to treasure the reality that you have allowed us to be incorporated into your very life. Give us the courage and the strength, Lord, to take up our place within the body of Christ, because we are irreplaceable. The people who are around us, help us to see them as precious and holy members of your body. We pray especially, Lord, for those members of your body today who may be struggling in faith, in doubt, in despair. We pray for those who wish that they were not a part of your body, Lord, that you will show them just how much you love them and how precious you are to them. And we ask this as we do all things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This has been Jesus Loves You, This I Know, a podcast on God's love. I am Cecilia Ciccone, and I am truly grateful to be on this journey with you. If you would like to connect with me on social media, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at CEC squared. Also, this podcast needs a lot of support. First, I humbly ask you to please pray for me that I will be open to what God wants to say through me, through this platform, and for the listeners, that all of you will be open to being loved by him. But also, we live in this world, even though we're not of it. So if you would like to make a donation to help support the costs of the podcast, I would be most grateful. And you can donate on Venmo to me at CEC underscore squared. PayPal will be coming soon as soon as the new website goes live. Thank you very much and may God bless you. All right, that's it for now. Until next time, we'll be united in prayer. And remember, 
Jesus loves you, this I know, because, well, because of everything.